Kilishuateka kiviti Hashem Baruch haba b'shem Adonai Gaal Yisrael. May it be soon in our days that we experience the return of Mashiach Yeshua. May Hakadosh Baruch Hu open our hearts, open our minds, open our speech, open our hands, that we may receive His manifestation and the final redemption with the building of the Beit HaMikdash, Ken Yehi Ratzon. Adonai, we thank you for your Torah. Baruch Adonai Hamlamet Torah Le'amo Yisrael. Baruch Shemo. So, we're still in Pesach. We're still, Slika, we're still in Hak Hamatzot. And, uh, you know, hopefully everyone is enjoying this week of purification, of refreshing, and of renewal. And my, oh my, shout out to Captain Yisrael, Rabbi Griffin Ben Ellis. I mean, first of all, his character is showing. To be a Rebbe of a congregation and a whole global uh, community that is just like, you know what? I I have abled men of Torah around me that I can share the platform with. And by all means, please do something violent and bring glory to God. And, uh, you know, he hands over the first day of the Yom Tov of Chag HaMatzot to me. So, again, I just say, Toda Rabbah, what a great honor. Then he follows that up with Shabbat Chol HaMoeg of Chag HaMatzot, hands it over to the incredible Talmud, Professor Talmud Mikhail Nicholson. Wow. And shouts out to him as well, to the incredible Talmud for filling my shoes as the standing goodbye. All sorts of pun intended. He talks about he has big shoes to fill, but I mean, he broke out of the Hulkbuster. So like, what is that really? But anyway, I just bless the name of Hashem because as I got to live stream the service, I just, I was just so like, it was renewing for me because to see all that Hashem is doing right now, like passing the baton to like other members of the team is just incredible to see. There, there's not just one person who can do this, you know, and we're sharing in the glory of Hashem, first of all, when we're all doing this, because it's coming from a place of unity. It's coming from a place of gratitude, hakarat hatov, like, that's ridiculous. So, who knows what's in hand for Chag HaMatzot, Acharon Shel Pesach, the last day of the Festival of Matzot. And uh, on into the next Shabbat. I mean, wow! If Mashiach, I said this, I said this to uh, to Rabbi and to Mikael today. I said, you know, let me see. Go to my message here. I put it this way: like, if redemption don't come soon, then I don't know how the world is gonna hold up with all this. I mean ridiculous like how can this amount of illumination and kedusha and unified ridiculousness take 
take root in the earth without Mashiach not being here. Like, what is going on? So anyway, after all that, wanted to pick up with where the big man left off because Yeshayahu chapter 11, if you read from the Art Scroll commentary, and this is the Milstein edition. Yes, it is. In the heading, it says the Davidic Mashiach. I'm just going to go out on a limb and just say, if this is talking about Hezekiah, then, you know, what are we doing? The Davidic Mashiach. I mean, like, okay, because the sources tell you it's Hezekiah, Sanhedrin 98a. We, we went over that in the drosh from the big man. So here's the thing. Mikael, by the way, is the Incredible Hulk Avenger. If anyone didn't know, just now you do. That explains why he's always screaming, he's always dancing, he's always jumping. And he apparently wears a ninja suit, which is funny to think of a Hulk in a ninja suit. But that's what he is. So, uh, but anyway, just, you know, he, he went into this section of the Peleoets and Aviad and, you know, Peleoets, Wonderful Counselor, Aviad, Everlasting Father. These are all terms that you don't ascribe to a man. These are all terms you ascribe to a Shem because a man who is everlasting. I mean, just think about that. First of all, a man everlasting. That would insinuate, imply and infer that no sickness, no weakness, no death, like all of that. Because here's the thing. There's a lot of critique on Mashiach being the manifestation of Hashem and him dying. The thing is, we all know that death is the separation of the spirit from the flesh. Just like the letters separated from the tablets. And if you go into the Aliyah a day from 5779 on Parshaki Tisa, there was a commentary between maybe Rabbi Monk and uh, Rabbeinu Bakia and probably some Tankuma. In that Aliyah day that week, Rebbe Griffin goes through this whole thing that the only thing left on the tablets were the letters Sheen, Bet, and Tav, which is the letters for Shabbat. So the only thing left and the quote-unquote dead body of Hashem was Shabbat. Which means, even after the death of Mashiach, the Shabbat is still valid. It is still here. It never left. You could say the whole Torah went away if you want to be crazy and say that. But you have to deal with the fact that the letters for Shabbat remained. Only to read another chapter later in Exodus, getting into chapter 34, you see, well, oh, here's the covenant renewed. And this is temporary until we get the sapphire tablets back, which is why Mashiach had to be resurrected because his body represents the sapphire tablets. So, or the sapphire tablets are a representation of him because now we're looking at greater wonder, greater wonders and miracles that are happening because the fullness of Hashem 
being pleased to dwell in the body of Mashiach. I mean, that's a whole nother topic to deal with. But anyway, all of this is going on to say that the Shabbat is the culmination of all of Torah mitzvot. So much to say that if a person is Shomer Shabbos, that's all you need to know. Is if someone is observant, if someone's Jewish, if someone is like a legit Orthodox Jew, if they are Shomer Shabbos, if they are a person who keeps, guards, observes, does, uh, participates in the Shabbat, that's all. That's end of discussion. If they want to go on further asking them if your mother's Jewish, you can say, yes, because I was born by the spirit. What is the spirit of Hashem? It's the voice of Hashem that commands us today to hear his voice. So therefore, if you're obedient to that voice, you have been born, i.e. begotten of the spirit of God, which means you are his son. You're his son by adoption. Let's go ahead and talk about that for a second before we really get into Yeshayahu 11, because in our ridiculous uh, group known as the Avengers, our Wonder Man character, known as Ish Pela, decided to share this from Tehillim chapter 80. And the specific comment here is talking about, and the son whom you have taken for yourself. It says, i.e., the Jewish nation. So when it talks about Hashem taking a son for himself, according to Metzudot, it says, and by the way, this is all coming from the uh, Kehot Tehillim, which is known as the Big Green Book. So it says that the Jewish nation is the son whom God has taken for himself. Now, if you pay attention to this terminology, it says you have taken for yourself. I.E., not necessarily born directly by me. So I'm pausing because think about that in the context of Mashiach Yeshua being born of Miriam and fathered by Yosef, who, by the way, was Ben Yaakov. Just like, you know, Yosef, who went who was sold into slavery in Egypt and ended up reigning as king in there, even after Pharaoh, according to Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, and according to Targum Ankelos, the longest reigning ruling king. Yeah, that's right. Out of all the kings that ever ruled as descendants of the Jewish people, Yosef was the one who ruled the longest. So that that's ridiculous. But anyway, this is all based off of the 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 parsha, my Torah portion, Vayeshev, where the whole thing about the sheaves bowing down to Yosef and Yosef's sheep stood up and all that. That whole section, Ankelos brings down that this is Yosef reigning as king even before Judah and reigning over all of his brothers, which mean the king who reigned before David, i.e. the son of Yosef, who is going to reign over all of the children of Israel, over all the nations, over all the kingdoms, because you realize that when Yosef was sold into slavery to Egypt, the Jewish nation took dominion over the world because of that fact. 
So when Egypt acquired Yosef as a slave, they became a slave to the Jewish people. Because remember, all the Jewish nation tracks back to the patriarchs, which are the 12 sons of Yaakov and namely Abraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov. So all of that, the whole world belongs to that group of people, which is a whole nother thing that you have to understand. If you're not a Jew, you belong to the Jewish nation. You will be servants to the Jews. You will be people who bow before Hashem and every knee confess and all that kind of stuff. That's just going to happen. You will be considered as servants. The only one who will reign as kings is namely the nation who has been called a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Co-heirs with the Mashiach, sons of Abraham, that kind of stuff. So that that is something to really just kind of take take a, a take a gander at. And, and really work that out because a lot of people say, I don't want to do that Jewish stuff. I'm with the New Testament. I'm with the New Covenant and all of that. But they fail to put all the pieces together. And for furthermore, if you want to talk about sons of Abraham, the only one who is his son, according to Genesis 22, is Yitzhak, who is where the Jewish people come from. And again, if you go to Chaye Sarah, especially from the uh, from the Or HaChaim, he brings down that when Abraham gave over all his possessions, all the all, all that Abraham owned, i.e., everything that the father owned was given to the son. Yeah, because you know Mashiach totally said that everything that my father has, he's given to me now. So I tell you, and then he goes on into the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight. Corinthians, make sure that we understand uh, the penship of Shaul, Hashliach. He uh, brings down that, remember, that everything was given to subjection of Yeshua HaMashiach, except the Father. So Yeshua has dominion over everything, but he doesn't have dominion over, over Hashem like the Father. He has everything underneath Hashem. So just so we don't get all crazy and think, oh, well, it's only what Yeshua says. And remember, what does that mean? What does Yeshua say? Yeshua says that it is what my father says. By the way, that's called being an Evid Hashem. And according to more commentary from Art Scroll Yeshayahu on 11 verse 2, it says a spirit of knowledge and fear of Hashem, i.e. spirit to know Hashem and to fear him. That's Radak. He will utilize his virtues and qualities to gain a greater knowledge of God, which will lead him to desire nothing more than to be a servant of God. That's from Rabbi Hirsch. Continuing on to say someone who amasses true knowledge and understanding realizes that there is no greater glory, there is no greater glory than to serve God. Put that in context with Hasatan, who said, I will be greater than the Most High. That's, that's kind of interesting because it's like, what kind of glory is that? Because the greatest glory that you could ever possibly achieve is to serve Hashem. So if you want to go beyond that, then you're putting yourself in an interesting place because now it's not about having glory. Now it's about something else. 
And it also goes on to say, in describing Moshe after his death, the Torah says merely that he was Evid Hashem, a servant of Hashem. And the last statement, there is no greater title. Okay, so your your virtues, your qualities, your great knowledge, all of that kind of stuff, that should lead us to be nothing more than a servant of God. And that's what Mashiach embodied for us when he said all things were given to me on heaven and earth. I'm just a servant. That's it. That's that's it. That's the glory I need. That's the glory that I desire is to be a Shem servant. And you think about how Mashiach leads us into being a servant. But anyway, the whole point and all that, if you really just kind of come back to it, I made this statement that I don't uh, recall just really kind of giving a chance to sink in and really explain uh, from the drash I gave on the Yom Tov of, Pes- of Pesach, Chag uh, Chag Matzot, is that um, Shemura Matzah, the Matzah that is literally comes from the word Shomer, shouts out to Shomer, man, come on. But anyway, um, carefully watched and carefully guarded to make sure that it was the perfect batch of unleavened bread. Make sure no fermentation, no hummets, nothing whatsoever as far as that would diminish the quality of this matzah. This is the highest level of matzah that you could partake of for this week of unleavened bread. That's amazing because... That's the recommended matzah that you partake of during your Seder. These are the matzot that are in the shape of a circle and not a square, which means they look like the sephirot. They look like little orbs, look like basically balls of light in the, in the form of bread. So light that is in the form of bread that is circle. Yeah, we're eating sefirot when we're eating the Shmura Matzah. Namely, the sefirot of Hashem, which is the only sefirot that matter because when we look at the tree of life from Kabbalah, from the kosher perspective, those circles, when you put them all together, those represent the body of Hashem. So now when you're eating matzah, you're eating and partaking of the body of Hashem, which by default means you're eating and partaking of the body of Mashiach. Which he says that uh, we have to do that. So if you're not a person who is eating matzah right now, you should probably work on that. And uh, yeah, we need to be people who celebrate Chag HaMatzot. That, this festival that we're in right now is quintessential for being a believer in Hashem. If you really want to call yourself abiding in Messiah, one with God, unified with him, walking by his spirit and all that kind of stuff, if you're doing if you're claiming that but you're not involved, invested in, partaking of, observing Hakamatsu, then uh, everything that you're saying is false. You can't run around and tell people that you're a doctor only because you watch Doctor Who or, you know, House. Like, you can't you can't do that. Like, 
I know everything. I know about the scalpels. I know about the spatula. I know about the gloves. I know about how you have to wash your hands. I know about all the utility, the uniform that you have to wear. I got good bedside manner. But uh, you never went to school. You never got the degree. You never actually did a surgery. You never actually engaged in, you know, consulting with clients and things like that. You can't call yourself a doctor. You can call yourself highly knowledgeable in a certain subject. But yeah, so that's the thing that that's a lot of what has been happening previous to COVID-19 in the world. Now, Bezrat Hashem, that we're all isolated and all have this opportunity to kind of lose our own selves, if you will, because, you know, if you want to find yourself, you got to lose it. And uh, Bezrat Hashem quarantine is bringing out the best in us. Some cases it's bringing out the worst in us. Chasbe Shalom. But that is where we all need to be to have the opportunity for a level playing field to understand, are we really with Hashem or are we not? There is no time for games anymore. You can't go hide in church services. Again, I bring up this video that one of my coworkers shared with me during this beginning of the fallout of COVID-19, where this young man who everybody was like, oh my gosh, this guy's on fire. It's amazing. I can't believe this young man is bringing such truth and da 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 And I'm like, okay, what, what did he say that was so amazing? And I, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch the video. I watched it and he pretty much sounded like every Sunday pastor that you would hear at a church. And the crazy thing is, is the person who was recording was like, oh, this kid done messed me up. Oh, my gosh. And tears and crying. And I'm like, OK, so highly emotional video. It's all about the drama. But what did he really say in the video? Apparently, the standout line in the video was we have to leave the membership and get a relationship. Let me say that again. We have to leave the membership and get a relationship. My friends, fellow listeners, if that is going to be a statement that comes from the mouth of a believer, uh, that should give all sorts of red flags. How are you not going to have a relationship but claim that you do and be all about a membership at a church. Cause that's what he was speaking about. He was like, we're all members of this church. Like we all go to church, you know, we, uh, we got our small groups and da, 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 da. But it's like now that COVID-19 is happening, we're all forced to have a relationship if we so choose. Cause now that you don't have a, a church service to run to every Sunday, now that you don't have a small group to run to every Wednesday night, oh man, what's going to happen? And this is why it's important to understand who and what is a Jew. Because a Jew, first of all, is a new creation because the first Jew was. If you've been born again, if you're considered a new creation, that's what a Jew is, by the way. Because the first Jew is a person who did not get birthed by a Jewish mama. Not a person who grew up in a Jewish household. Not a person who was converted by a specific 
Beit Dean by a specific rabbinic authority. That None of that happened. The first Jew was an idolater. And he started off in a house of idolatry. And what happened is he broke out of that idolatry because he looked around and was like, why is everybody doing this? And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I ain't doing this. Worshiping none of this stuff. There's a beautiful um, story movie, like a little cartoon DVD. Uh, and it, by the way, the, the first way I learned about this is from the big man, the incredible Talmud. Uh, he shared it with me and it, it's the, the life of Abraham and it's from uh, the Midrash and Talmud portions. But Abraham, you know, worshiped the sun and then he realized the sun went away and the moon came up and he's like, oh, so the moon is greater than the sun. And then the moon went away and then there was just the stars. And he's like, oh, the stars. And then it was like all the seasons and all this kind of stuff. So Abraham worked his way through all these fake gods. All this idolatry saw that there was no substance to any of this stuff. And then he found out, oh, there is one who is invisible who has governed and rules the whole entire universe, i.e., Melech Ha'olam, the king of the universe. Then he was like, that's, that's my God, the one who's invisible, the one who is without end. That's my God, the Ain Tof. And because of that, now you have Genesis chapter 12, the whole Leklaka, leave your father's household, leave your, your upbringing, leave your, your city, your town, your nation, your country, all that kind of stuff, and come with me. And I will make you as numerous as the sand on the seashore and numerous stars in the sky. All the nations of the earth will bless themselves by you. The word blessing, which is barek, comes from is also related to the word bericha, which is the word for pool, like mikvah. So all the nations of the earth will mikvah themselves by you. Why do you think you have to be immersed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh? Because that's the three patriarchs. That's the three aspects of Hashem's name. He was, He is, and He is to come. That's Abraham, who is representative of the right hand of God. That's Yitzhak, who's representative of the left side of God, the judgment. And then that's Yaakov, who's representative of the central aspect the harmony of God where you bring in the kindness and the judgment together into what's called Teferit, which is beauty. And this is where you have the fear and the love of Hashem working simultaneously, the law and the spirit working simultaneously together. That's why you immerse in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why you immerse in Hashem who was and is and is to come. And by the way, there's Hashem there's Adonai, and then there's Eye, which are three names of Hashem that encompass the mikvah, according to Baal Shem Tov. So now you're immersing into all of that. That is how the nations of the world are blessed by Abraham. That's how Abraham was blessed. And remember, all of the Torah observance and all of the just ridiculous uh, drops of insights and uh, Torah learning and Torah observing, all of that came later. It came as Abraham grew. 
it first started with a relationship, not a membership. Membership wasn't ever really a thing. It was just like, yeah, I mean, I have a family and I have family members, members of the household. Okay, yeah, I get that. But there was never this thing of like, okay, are you are you a part of such and such organization? Like, that wasn't ever a thing. It was like, no, are you in the household of God? Which means you're in a relationship. It has nothing to do with, you know, are you, you know, do you belong to a certain church or you belong to a certain pastor, all that kind of stuff. That, mm, no. Okay, see, Asav is smart, okay? Create all of this ridiculous framework and this, uh, this system. Create it, make this big, gigantic structure that's over-glorified, that is so brainy, so uh, twisted, where all the puzzle pieces are all over the place. The main thing that you need to focus on is the letters of Paul. And if you can't get the letters of Paul, then spend all your time doing that. And don't even worry about the law of God. Don't worry about the prophets. You know, maybe get you a couple of Psalms and a couple of Proverbs every now and then. But if you can't work through Paul, you can't, you, you don't have, you, you just need to work on Paul. That's the whole system of Asaph. Which, by the way, that's the church. That's Rome. That's where we got all that from. That's why you have other holidays that are celebrated by believers. That's why you have, you know, unfortunate as it is, the day of the 16th of Nisan is where you count the Omer. That's the day Mashiach Yeshua was resurrected. But that's lost because people now think Yeshua was resurrected on a Sunday, which when he was during that time on the calendar, the 16th of Nisan did fall on a Sunday. But Sunday did not exist, by the way, until the Gregorian calendar came into play, which is hundreds, if not thousands of years later. So first day of the week is really what we need to focus on. Then you add on to that, that when the 16th of Nisan occurs, people may or may not be celebrating the resurrection of Mashiach. And remember, the, the Yom Tovs are called appointed times, which means that they're not just mere memorials. They're not just mere remembrances of such events. They bring us back to the atmosphere that that event occurs. So every time we celebrate the, the 16th of Nisan, we literally are in the atmosphere, the time frame, the same power, the same open heavens, whatever you want to call it as it was when Mashiach resurrected. So it's as if he resurrected at that point. So when we celebrated the 16th of Nisan this year, whatever happened on the 16th of Nisan with Mashiach when he was here, that's exactly what was going on now, like currently. And the next 16th of Nisan, it'll be the same thing. Because for us, we're, we're stuck in this linear, quote unquote, format of time. But in actuality, there is no time. This is why Mashiach Yeshua was never tripping about, oh, I know Eliezer needs me to come, you know, to his sisters, Miriam and Martha right now, but I'll be there. And then, and then he shows up and they're like, if only you would have been here sooner, he would have never died. And it's like, he, I'm, I'm saddened to see the whole effect of what death does to people and all of that. But, you know, uh, I'm going to weep for a second because I, I witness and I experience your humanity and all that. So, yeah, 
So now he calls forth Eliezer and it's like, you thought he was dead, but he's not because the soul of the living and the dead are in the hand of Hashem. And oh, look, I have, I have his hands right here. Anyway, so all of that's going on. Okay, so the 16th of Nisan happened this year on a prep day. 5780, the 16th of Nisan was on a prep day. This was the day that other believers were using as what's called Good Friday, and they were fasting. And that day about Good Friday is all about mourning. It's all about dark. It's all about afflicting yourself. And isn't it interesting that during the month of Nisan, you're not supposed to fast unless you're doing the fast of the firstborn, which happens on the 14th of Nisan, which, by the way, was on that Wednesday of this year. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so they're three days late on the fasting thing, which is kind of okay. At least they, at least they are focused on Hashem. There's where the merit is. So Brug Hashem. But the sad part is that the other parts that is going on with that still stuck on. I want to do this other holiday. I'm not even focused on Pesach. Like. If you were focused on Pesach, number one, you wouldn't be fasting. Number two, instead of fasting and doing all the other stuff, you would have actually began counting the Omer. And then what is the Omer? Bezrat Hashem, we're going to get into that because the Omer is something that is just way under the radar that we need to just turn all the way up to 11. Uh, anyway, so that's some of the unfortunate things that happen when people are outside the framework of Hashem's Torah. So because you're so stuck in Paul, because you're so stuck in Sunday worship and membership versus relationship, you miss out on all this stuff. But now, Bezrat Hashem, relationship is finally being a thing. So, Brug Hashem, welcome. All right. So I was in Tehillim 80 a while back talking about this whole thing about being the son that God acquired, which is a Jewish nation. And then I went into the whole adoption thing. So the crazy part is, if you continue the commentary, Mizuto says the son that God acquired for himself is the Jewish nation. And then Radak and Mary come along and say, Mary goes first and then Radak is after that. He says, whom God adopted with his covenant. So we're adopted as sons to become Jews, which is through covenant. So are you calling yourself a child of God? And do you consider yourself filled with the Holy Spirit? Because we're going to read about how the Spirit of God adopts us as sons so that we can call him Abba, which is the Hebrew word for father. But anyway, uh, as I am reading this to you, I'm getting notifications from Raish Richards over here, uh, Mr. Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> Our uh, Mr. Fantastic Avenger, <laughs> he's just reaching across with some priestly blessing drops. I'll share those with you in a moment, but it's just so funny because I keep thinking of him stretching his arm across the room and punching me in the face, and I love it. But anyway, um, side note, I did uh, the second night of the Pesach Seder uh, with my Kala, and we went through the PJ Library uh, Pesach Haggadah. If you haven't done that, please do. Next time you do Pesach, you need to get you the children's Haggadah 
from the PJ library. The whole cup of Miriam thing was ridiculous. And by the end of the Pesach, uh, Seder, we had blood and blood and, uh, I mean, Sika. we had wine and water on the table, water turned to wine, blood and water coming out the body of Yeshua at the end of the service. You know, I, like all of that just kind of mashed up is ridiculous. But anyway, um, yeah. So because of race Richards, I was able to experience that source and each payload was like, Oh, I got that source here. You can have it. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? So anyway, uh, nothing like getting punched by a person with long arms only to get blown up by a person who is a walking nuclear bomb. Cause that's what wonder man is. But anyway, um, back to this source adopted his sons by covenant. And then Radak says, but, ne- but has now abandoned so the son whom you have taken, this is the Jewish nation who God adopted for his covenant, but now has abandoned. It's interesting because in exile, we're considered to be abandoned. Mashiach, when he was on the stake, he says, my father, why have you abandoned me? Mm. So, yeah, because that word forsaken and abandoned, you mean, there you go. All right. So alternatively, this is from the Targum, duck and cover. This refers to the Mashiach. One of the biggest sources you could ever acquire for yourself is going to be the Targumim, the Targums, for layman's English. Targum Onkelos, Targum Yonatan. Uh, there's all sorts of other Targums that you can get into. Uh, I cannot think of them right now, but Targum Yonatan, Targum Yonatan, or Ankylos, at least those two and whatever kind of other Targums you can get. Dude, if you ever thought the whole cover up of not nah, that isn't about Mashiach, then okay. If you just read a few of the Targums, you'll I mean it's Targil Targum Neophyti, that's another one. Um ridiculous. Uh there's a whole drop about, you know, the angel of God's presence, the uh the angel of Hashem the um uh, like any of the the drops that you read about who is this mysterious angel of god that's always mentioned in the torah the targum clears it up they're like yeah that's mashiach so yeah so anyway as as followers of mashiach we already knew that but there's where our sources are so anyway is Yeshayahu Isaiah 53 about the Mashiach or is it about Israel the answer is yes because both are called sons that God has acquired and at some point abandoned quote-unquote because Hashem didn't never really abandon us it seems like he abandoned us because we were so far away from him but really you got to ask who abandoned who because I don't know about you, but being idolatrous and walking your own path, that's that's a step of separation from Hashem already. But as we learn from the third day of the Omer, which is what today is, according to this podcast, that, uh, you know, you are to love those who have hurt you. You are to love those who have turned away from you. Reach out to strangers is the way it's put. And by the way, you become estranged from God when you enter into idolatry. And that's kind of what we did. That's why we don't get to live in Israel right now. 
as a nation, like completely live in Israel. We're kind of there, but not really, because even the parts of Israel we do occupy right now, that's bare minimum. That's like a a tenth, if not more or less, what we should actually be occupying in the land. And we keep getting uh, diplomized, yep, to go ahead and make that a word, out of territories. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll work a deal out with you. You can take that part and we'll just like, you know, go over here. And it's like, okay, well, now you've given up more space. So now we're going to go ahead and push. You give us an inch, we're going to take a mile. Like that's been happening. So that's a problem. This is what happens when Torah doesn't establish Israel. But when man, government, human thought establishes Israel, that's the that's the scenario you're left with. That's why they can't elect a prime minister right now. This has been going on since before Hanukkah. And where are we at? Oh, we're in Hakamatsu, almost out of it. And we're still ain't electing no prime minister yet. Not to mention the pandemic that's going on in the world. Not to mention there's not a temple in the world, which would end the pandemic, by the way. So are we praying for the temple or are we not? I don't know. Just asking. So, yeah. So anyway, uh, just take all that into effect. So. Son of God is those who are adopted by the covenant with Hashem. So here's my response to Ish Pela from his Tehillim drop. I said, oh, you mean like the Agarit to the Romans, chapter 8, the letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, that says, for all who are led by the Ruach Elohim, these are sons of God. Are you Torah observant? Because if you are, that's considered being led by the Spirit. And isn't it so wonderful that being led by the spirit is something that all people can do if they choose and they don't have to worry about, am I doing it right or am I not? Because the beautiful thing about the Torah is, you know, eat kosher, you know, keep the Shabbat. Now, learning how to do all those things. Obviously, there are so many infinite levels to that because, you know, you need what's called the oral Torah to do so. But. It's really easy to enter into those things because you have a starting point that is quite simple. And if you want to make being led by the spirit, not Torah observance, then, yeah, you're led by a spirit. It's just not the spirit of Hashem. Which is interesting because most times when people say that they're led by the spirit, they don't ever say I'm led by the spirit of Hashem. They always say, I'm, oh, I'm being led by the spirit. I'm filled with the spirit. It's like, which one? Because there are lots of them. And then you have to go on to understanding, too, that there is not ever really a clear and defined path of how to do so. There's not ever any sources of what that looks like. There's never really any examples of what that look like. Because if you want to say that Shaul, Paul, was led by the Spirit, Look at his life and what did he do? The man went to the temple. The man kept the fast, which is Yom Kippur. The man celebrated Pesach. He submitted himself to the Sanhedrin for crying out loud. He spoke Hebrew for crying out loud. He quoted Midrash. He read from the Torah. 
You realize that whole Galatians 4 drop is all from Kaye Sarah? Bet you didn't know that. Bet you didn't ever think about that. If you read Parsha Kaye Sarah, now you'll get into the understanding about Isaac versus Yishmael. The, i.e., the son of the slave woman being Ishmael and the son of the free woman being Isaac. Because you got to know who the mothers are in order to know about the sons. So anyway, and then furthermore, why in the world would Paul say that Janus and Jambres opposed Moses? We don't ever read about Janus and Jambres in the Bible other than in Timothy. Janus and Jambres is all over the Midrash. All over the oral Torah. It's ridiculous. So if Shaul is led by the spirit. And he is. That looks like what it looks like for everybody who's led by the spirit of Hashem. Which means Torah observance. Because by the way if you study Torah with no intention of doing it. That is super bad. I mean yeah that's just. First of all, you deny the power of God when you do that, because the Torah empowers us to serve Hashem, by the way. Did you know that? If you did it, welcome. We've been expecting you. Because one who studies Torah not for its own sake eventually will come to study Torah for its own sake. So now that you study Torah, even though you don't intend to do it, if you're really studying it, it would cause you to do it. In the long run. Second of all. It's really like crazy to think about reading something. And having all the conviction in your face as you read. Because there is no way you can read any of these sources and be like, oh, so glad I don't have to do that. Boom, you know, and just reading about the ramifications of not being obedient, reading about the ramifications of what happens to a person who is rebellious against the word of God. Like, that's kind of disturbing that a person could literally say that they read the word of God. They read this oral Torah stuff and they don't want to do it and they will not. And that's Jewish stuff. And I'm not a Jew, but I, I am a child of God. It's really disturbing to think about that. As disturbing to say that Shaul was not a kosher Jew. Like, that's how disturbing it is. Because Lashon Hara reaches its climax when you say that Shaul was not a Jew and he also taught people to not be a Jew. That is evil speech at its finest. That is, oh, look, a piece of matzah. Let me say a blessing and eat. Oh, spit it out. And that's gross. And ah, throw the matzah on the ground and stump on it. That's that's what that's like. That's a picture, a a mental gif, if you will. Like, you know, the motion pictures that we send on text messages called a gif. That's the gif for a person who says Shaul is not Jewish and Shaul teaches people to not be Jew. Literally, that's picking up a piece of matzah, saying a blessing to eat it, spitting it out, throwing it on the floor and stomping on it and saying, ugh, gross matzah. That is ultimately the definition of Lashon Hara, evil speech. Which is why to undo Lashon Hara, you eat the matzah, you enjoy, you will enjoy. (laughs) 
to say uh, one of the catchphrases we always talk. You will, you will eat, and you will enjoy. <laughs> it's like okay, yes, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. You know, talking to the parents. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah, so that's the that's how you cure Lashon Haraz is with matzah, by the way. Which the word matzah being the word mitzvah, so eating the mitzvah. So you read and study this stuff, and then you ultimately come to serve Hashem. So now my third thing that I want to get into by saying that if you are a person who reads it and doesn't do it, you deny the power of Hashem because you're telling Hashem all these sources are made up. They have no validity whatsoever. They're not connected to you whatsoever. They're not even teaching me about who you are because the very fact that you do not engage in them the very fact that you do not receive them, you are rejecting Hashem, point blank, period, end of case. Like, you cannot argue with that. Because the very people, if you go talk to Radak, if you go talk to Mary, if you go talk to Rabbi Hirsch, if you go talk to the compilers of the Targum Yonatan, I guarantee you, they believe they know, oh, let's not forget Rashi, that uh, this comes from Hashem. It's no different than me doing these podcasts. I don't do these podcasts because it's like, oh, look at Shomer, man. He's awesome. I do have a nice suit. I'm not going to lie. I will shout out to Hashem for that. He gave me some really awesome threads, but uh, sapphire threads, that is. But anyway, uh, it's not about me. Everything that I do is about these sources that stem from Hashem and that give so much ridiculous illumination that it's like, oh, my gosh, how can I not share this? I need like 20,000 hours per episode to just really express myself, <laughs> which is expressing these sources. And that's why I love the fact that I get to be named Amet Ben Mordecai because Everything about me is about sources. Everything about me is about what does the passage actually say? And what does that source actually say? What's the context here? What is going on? It's awesome to have our thoughts. It's awesome to have our takeaways. But let's read the actual source. Do you have a source for what you just said? You know, that that's what I love. Like that to me is just... Mm. So anyway, that's what it means to be led by the Spirit. Next, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, after it says that introduction phrase, it says, these are the sons of God. Sons of God are people who are Torah observant. Simplify that statement because of all the minutes of what I just shared. Okay. Rewind back about 10 minutes and you'll get 10 minutes on why sons of God are those who are led by the spirit. If that's not enough for you, then see Ezekiel immediately. Um, I don't know. Talk to Hashem since you're in isolation and can't talk to anybody else. Next, it goes on to say, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Many people think the Torah is slavery. But you have to remember, you didn't receive the Torah before you receive the Torah. Because when you're, first of all, okay, 
Judaism teaches you're taught the Torah in the womb. First of all, that's why everybody needs to make teshuva. Everybody needs to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That kind of stuff, because we all were taught the Torah when we we're in our womb. But the thing is, we were born into lawlessness. So until we ourselves entered into covenant with Hashem, decided, hey, Hashem, I'll listen to you. I'll do what you say. We walked around in our own ways. Why people don't keep the Shabbat, why people don't, you know, study the Torah, why people don't know what an Aliyah means, why people don't know what a Sidur is, people don't know what a Talit is, Z, what is a new, any of these crazy words. Nobody knows that kind of stuff because you were part of slavery. It says you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall again into fear. So there's the Torah which is not slavery. And then there's the not Torah, which is slavery. Which, by the way, when we were in Egypt, what were we called? Oh, yeah, that's right. Slaves. Because what were we not doing? Oh, yeah, Torah. And what did we not have in Egypt? Oh, yeah, Torah. Well, the Levites had it. But the rest of us, mm. this is why when we took that lamb on the Shabbat Haggadol and paraded it through the city and then brought it home and tied it to our bedpost. That's why that was such a big deal because we ourselves worshiped that very lamb and knowing that we were going to have to watch it, make sure it got no blemishes, nothing accidentally bumped up against it. And then we slaughtered it, kosher slaughtered it. And then we roasted it so that there was no denying what is it that you're eating. Oh, that smells like lamb. Oh, that looks like lamb. That Oh, that is a lamb. That's the significance of roasting it, not breaking its bones. And then you're going to eat it. And you got to make sure you eat it before sunrise. And then on top of that, the bones you are to take and cast out into the open marketplaces as a testimony that I do not worship this. This is food. This is also the sacrifice which frees me from this place. And now I can go get the Torah. Bezerah Hashem. So you have to understand that Torah isn't the slavery that's mentioned here in the letters of Shaul. But rebelliousness and not having the Torah, that's the slavery. That's the fear. People who don't have Torah are in fear. People who have Torah are in joy. Let me say that again. People who don't have the Torah are in fear and people who have the Torah are in joy. During COVID-19, we take it seriously. But the thing is, is if you're in Torah, you're looking at this situation like, Hashem, are you kidding me? You're putting a plague in the world during a time that is going to bring us back to the original time that there was a plague in the world and you set us free and delivered us from it. Seriously, Hashem, is that really happening? It's like, yeah, it is. You're welcome. It's like, Hashem, like, are you trying to say that, like, you're legit and, like, you're real and all this kind of stuff? Like, people can't. You know, have an excuse to be, uh, what do they call them, atheists? Because now it's written in the Bible, and now it's happening in reality, in real life. So anyway, for those of us who are Torah observant, though it's just kind of like, Hashem, may you heal the world, and we pray that this virus goes away soon. 
but we don't just pray that it goes away so we can get back to normal. We pray that it goes away so the final redemption can be here. But, you know, however Hashem wants to work that out, we really do pray that the redemption is the result of this plague because we don't need any more stuff to go down. We, we need we just need to go straight to the redemption. That's it. Thinking that we want something else is is like probably the worst decision we could possibly ever want, because here's here's the deal. We're relying on man. We're relying on our own resources and we're relying on Hashem to bail us out, if you will, if that's how we think, because should life go back to normal? And we go back to being able to go and do our social outings, how we were doing them before. That means we never made Teshuvah because if you make Teshuvah, that means you don't go back and do what you previously did. That means you're on a new path now. That means you don't continue on in disobedience and debauchery and all sorts of other licentious things. And when Kasbe Shalom, that you go, that we all go back to that. When the next thing happens, we would wish that we were having COVID-19 because there's a whole lot more in the measuring cup of judgment that can be poured out if we don't hearken to this time and really pray that Hashem sends the Mashiach and builds the temple and brings in the final redemption. I'm telling you, it can be way, way worse worse than you could ever possibly imagine right now we need to expand our consciousness like i've been saying for like the past couple of weeks and the things that are going to be a part of the final redemption like what is it really going to look like to see mashiach come on the clouds of glory what's it going to really like to see the double decker third temple that's going to happen the walls of fire that are going to engulf the temple mount like Okay, seeing the dead be raised and all that kind of stuff. What's it really going to take for us to comprehend that? Like, whoa, this is happening. I see it. It's real. But the flip side of that is the measuring cups of judgment. Do you realize portals will open up and demons can come up through them? Uh, giant horse locusts will come up. Earthquakes like you would not believe can happen. Asteroids coming down, consuming the earth and fire. All sorts of death plagues, all sorts of water turned to blood type stuff, like no drinking waters type plagues can happen. Like that kind of stuff is real. Revelation stuff. So anyway, I'm going to start another segment. So stand by.